My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. His apartment was nothing to call home about. In fact, he actively avoided calling home about it for fear that his mother would lecture him about all the reasons he should have never moved so far away in the first place. Besides his phone, his coffee table was the most expensive thing he owned, and even that he got for pennies on the dollar due to some unfound luck on Craigslist. Atop it sat a small plate that he used in his attempts to burn incense, but for whatever reason, he could never actually keep it burning. Next to it was a stack of books he'd been meaning to read that he'd picked up from a discount bookstore in the neighborhood. He always gravitated toward the classics despite considering himself the opposite of well-read, but he considered his intent to read them almost as impressive as actually reading them. In order to afford his studio, or at the very least afford paying first and last month's rent, he sold his bike. A Bianchi his parents had gotten him when he had originally moved to the city. And while his complete and utter lack of possession should have stressed him out, it didn't. It was the first time in his adult life that everything surrounding him was definitively his. His coffee table, his knife block, his wicker basket holding extra bedding in case someone wanted to sleep over after having too much to drink. His only issue on this particular night wasn't that he still didn't have cable or that he slightly overcooked his salmon, but that the only window facing the building's courtyard was stuck. While it may have been a blessing for it to be seemingly glued shut on any other fall cold night, they were at the very end of a three-day Indian summer that he knew he'd be craving come January. He had tried everything, taking players to the latch, banging on the handle with a rubber hammer. The only thing he hadn't done was report to his landlord, who probably wasn't going to fix it anyway. For all intents and purposes, the window was his lifeline, his outlet to the world, his entertainment, his literal and figurative breath of fresh air. While he could often smell smoke from his neighbors in the hallway, he didn't want to be that neighbor, which is why he always blew it out the window instead. Sure, he ran the risk of someone in other buildings in plain view of his window reporting him, but again, his landlord probably wouldn't do anything about it, mostly because there was no way they'd actually be able to get a hold of him. One of his fears was that the smoke would stick to his dog, Sam. He and Sam both knew it was a nasty habit, and it wasn't fair for him to subject his dog to the secondhand smoke Dare had warned him about all through middle school. And really, there seemed to be something romantic about gazing out the window rather than gazing directly into the black mirrors that surrounded him. He didn't consider himself to be all that introspective or anything, but there was a calmness he felt as he sat motionless in his apartment while the rest of the city hustled and bustled around him. Since moving in midsummer, he and Sam had established somewhat of a routine. Walk around the block at around 6 p.m., make dinner around 7.15 and play a quick game of fetch in the courtyard where they'd finally settle in on the couch together and watch something on the Amazon Fire Stick he'd stolen from his parents' den. It wasn't much of a nightly tradition, but it was their nightly tradition. It wasn't until earlier that September that a wrench was thrown into things. While checking the mail, he noticed that his neighbor's last name, Anderson, had been covered up by a new name, Wallace. But just minutes after noticing this, he noticed something more, a young woman sitting on the bench in the courtyard feeding her Scotty. This didn't affect him much outside of maybe wondering what the new dog's bark sounded like and whether or not it would keep him up at night or wake him up early in the morning. Well, that and the fact that she was noticeably good looking. Better looking than most of the other neighbors who, in addition to being old, kind of smelled like scallion cream cheese. Over the first week of her tenure as a neighbor, he couldn't help but let her routine affect his routine. Looking out the window before he and Sam's normal post-work walk, he'd see her sitting in the courtyard on the bench night after night after night. Her routine was seemingly more intense and rigorous than his, which spoke volumes because he was too poor to even think about switching up his routine in the first place. 
It didn't take long before they spoke in a silent love language. Exchanges of waves back and forth, nods from across the courtyard, and in the worst of cases, that awkward eye contact you have with someone where both parties immediately turn their heads away as if they were fixated on something else. Oddly enough, it wasn't just her presence or her looks that threw him off, but her relationship with the neighbors that he'd done a good job of avoiding up until this point. She never seemed to be alone on the bench, but always with a tenant who seemed absolutely enamored by her. Old men smiling ear to ear, and even older women looking at her like they'd look at their granddaughters. He never would have described her as infectious to anyone, but from the looks of it, the rest of the building would beg to differ. Through their first couple weeks living within shouting distance of one another, their interactions were unfortunately limited. Those nods in the hallways, those exchanges of pleasantries in the courtyard, and that awkward run-in where she nearly dropped her Whole Foods bag on the front steps. He couldn't exactly pinpoint why, but there was a part of him, a large part of him, that was completely, unabashedly, head over heels, get down on one knee atop the Empire State Building in love with her. This week's episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post. When you're constantly on the go, grinding away at the office or hanging out with friends, there's not much time to think about upgrading your style or apartment. That's why I love getting a new box of awesome from Bespoke Post every single month. These guys are out scouting for quality and unique products to send in each box. Now you can experience it too at boxofawesome.com. To get started, visit boxofawesome.com and answer a few short questions that will help them get a feel for the boxes that best go with your style. Whether you're in search of the perfect drink, a well-kept pad, or jet setting in style, Bespoke Post improves your life one box at a time. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. The first of each month, you'll receive an email with your box details. You'll have five days to change colors and sizes or add extra goods to your box. If you're not feeling it that month, you can simply skip it. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars, weekender bags to classy dop kits, Bespoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern man. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter SCARIES at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code SCARIES for 20% off of your first box. Bespoke Post, themed boxes for guys who give a damn. This week's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. Hiring isn't as easy as putting an ad in the paper or posting on a job board. With more qualified candidates than ever, you need something that helps you find the right people for your business, and LinkedIn Jobs does just that. If I've learned anything, it's that finding the right hires is almost as difficult as landing the job yourself. Trudging through resumes and portfolios can only get you so far, so why not use an easier platform than a traditional way of sorting through applicants? People come to LinkedIn every day to make connections, grow their careers, and discover new job opportunities. And 90% of LinkedIn users are open to new opportunities, but not actively scanning job boards. This means LinkedIn Jobs gives you access to an entirely different demographic than anywhere else. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role best. Things like collaboration, work ethic, and adaptability are all taken into consideration, so LinkedIn Jobs can help you find someone that's not only qualified, but also matches your company's culture. LinkedIn Jobs gets you in front of the most relevant, qualified candidates so you can focus on making a hire that you're excited about. Post a job at linkedin.com slash scaries and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash scaries. Terms and conditions do apply. She had a very defined aesthetic. Her underwaxed barber coat, her New York Times tote bag, her tortoise glasses, her suspiciously white teeth. Every single part of him felt compelled to flip the script of Romeo and Juliet and profess his love to her from his window rather than the other way around. But instead, he didn't. He couldn't. 
After all, how could he? They barely knew each other. They hadn't yet had a conversation around each other without some geriatric fly on the wall listening in while Sam and her Scotty, Boris, snipped each other from the ferns. But even if he did get that moment alone with her, how would he handle it? Would he have the perfect responses to everything she had to say? Would they even have a conversation? Would he realize after five minutes of her droning on about her boring job that she wasn't, in fact, the love of his life? Was that the risk he was willing to take? But that night, the night that the window wouldn't seem to open, he spotted her sitting on that very bench, alone for once, not staring into her phone, not talking endlessly to an elderly shared neighbor of theirs, and seemingly not in any rush to leave. Looking at himself in the mirror, he wasn't impressed with what he saw. Khakis with paint stains down the front paired with a ratty white t-shirt and scruff on his face that somewhat brought out his emerging double chin. His concerns, though, were that if he were to change, he'd end up looking too prim and proper, like he was getting ready for a date, like he had better things to do than sit on the bench and lose track of time with her. He considered tapping on the window to let her know that he'd be right out, but his taps proved to be fruitless endeavors. Sam, he said while peering out the window, let's go outside. That night as the sun went down, 76 degrees felt like 96 degrees. Whether it was the Indian summer's humidity, his terribly lazy choice of clothes, or simply his nerves putting him on edge, he felt suffocated by the heavy air in the hallway that led the steps down to the back. Emerging from the door, he still sat idly while Sam sprinted to Boris to get their nightly smelling out of the way. Funny seeing you here, he led with. Shit, he thought to himself. Funny seeing you here? Who says that in this day and age? That's what a nearly retired dentist says when he walks up to a patient's chair and he sees a regular customer from the past 40 years. But she smiled. She smiled in a way unlike she had smiled since maybe the Whole Foods bag incident of last week. Hey, how are you, she asked. The conversation was really going nothing like he'd hoped for at this juncture, all of three sentences in. If she was truly the love of his life, courting her through pleasantries and generic banter wasn't going to work. For some reason, though, she didn't seem to mind. She sat next to him, gazing forward at the dogs as they kept sniffing, all with a somewhat content look on her face. She was wearing a pair of overalls with a striped sailor shirt underneath and a handkerchief tied around her neck. Peering down, he wondered what was in that New York Times tote bag that she always had with her. It was probably some makeshift purse or perhaps filled with tools for the rooftop community garden. He couldn't sense any awkwardness coming from her end, but he felt like he was a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? the world staring at him while his brain overthought every decision he was about to make. Unfortunately for him, there were no lifelines to help him out. A 15-second silence felt like that of decades. Was the silence as deafening to her as it was to him? Was she even thinking about him, or was she in a daze thinking about something else? After all, how could you sit this close to somebody and not wonder what was going through their head? You wouldn't just plop down on an empty bench in a spacious park and not converse with the person in arm's reach away. So, I see you around here all the time, he finally spoke, but I never got your name. Elizabeth, she told him while extending her hand to shake his, looking at him with eyes that commanded he reciprocate the introduction. T uh, Tom, he spat out, it's really nice to meet you. But then the conversation fell flat again, partially because they simply had nothing to talk about, but also because Sam and Boris had found themselves on opposite sides of the courtyard sniffing God knows what. Tom felt like he was at a middle school dance leading up to the final moment of the night that could make or break you when your hand was forced and you had to finally ask your crush to that final dance, probably to stairway to heaven. The fear of denial, while crippling, was also motivating. But if you didn't ask in time, you ran the risk of dancing with someone you despised for eight minutes. You know, she told him, if it wasn't for that time you helped me with my groceries, I would have thought I was the youngest person in this building by about 30 years. He laughed. I know, he responded. Something tells me we won't be getting any volleyball games going back here with the other residents. 
Then she laughed. Gerald told me you were pretty nice, she complimented him. Said you helped him out with fixing his sink because there's no way he'd be able to get up off of his back if he got on his kitchen floor. Tom remembered back to one of the first days he lived there. Sure enough, she was right. Ha, yes, he laughed. Jerry's a good guy. He smells a bit like egg salad, but a good guy nonetheless. She looked off toward the dogs again before muttering, Yep, he's kind of one of my best customers. Perplexed, Tom did just about everything but actually scratch his head in confusion. Customers, he wondered before finally asking that same question out loud. Yeah, she told him. Isn't that why you're down here? His confusion only snowballed. I I don't follow, he told her. Leaning over, she grabbed that same tote that had become so characteristic of her in his mind. But rather than reaching in, he simply put it in between them and opened it up just enough so that he could see what was inside. It's 45 for an eighth, she told him. But for new customers, I think I can swing about 40. He peered down and saw perfectly individually packaged bags of weed like something out of a Wes Anderson movie, the smell of which knocked him back a bit. Unsure of how to react, one thought just kept running through his head. Maybe that's why the community garden is so hard to get a plot in. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you can guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday. You can also follow along on Twitter, at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at WillToFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.